Shalom, 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 shalom. Shalom, evening people of God. Shalom, evening church. Please, I believe you are all doing well. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I thank God for your lives. By the special grace of God, I'm also doing well with my family. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright, so by the little knowledge that God has given to us, we all know and understand that what they call Christmas is actually not what it is. And we have come to the point of understanding that Christmas is not a Christian festivity. Because of that, I know that some of you who went to church today and you were dancing because you said Christ is born. Um, by the time we are done with this evening service, you understand why you did that. Amen. I know there are some of you know very well through the you know, the expounding of God's word right here, but still, you have decided that you will not change because your, your pastor, even that great man of God, is still celebrating Christmas. So does that mean that he's not from God? You see where your problem is? By the time we end with this evening's teaching service, you will know why you are doing that. Hallelujah. Why is it that you know clearly that Jesus was not born on the 25th of December, yet today you went to church celebrating his birth? Why? You know very well that is not the truth of scripture. But you did it. Why? Because... Even great men of God are celebrating Christmas on the 25th of December. That's what you think. May God have mercy. And will there be any kind of consequence on us when we celebrate Christmas as believers? Yes, definitely there will be. Will God take us to hell? No. But we will lose something precious. May the Lord help us and grant us divine grace. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Some of you even went to church to sing. And you sang certain songs like, Hallelujah. 
Amen. Wawu Christo, yasi ya jikwa. Na ye osire swa na ju. Aye di ye he ye nyanyso. Now let me tell you something here. Do you know that even when you go to the Middle East, around Israel, Bethlehem, at this moment, 25th December is winter. I hope you all know that. The snow is just falling here and there, rain here and there. How can people take sheep huh, to graze when it is winter? I don't know if you are catching something here. In winter season, where are you taking the sheep to, to go and eat what? You don't even know the reason why some people said make hay whilst the sun shines. You don't know. Because your agricultural studies knowledge, you have thrown it away. What is hay? You don't know. Whilst your sheep are outside grazing on the field, you also package some of the food and you hide them somewhere. So that when it is rainy season, the sheep will not go outside to be, to be beaten by the rain. But they will stay inside and eat of what you have already kept. That is what we call making hay. Amen. You see, if you don't sit down to study your, your Bible, you will just believe everything in your life. You will make a whole lot of mess. I'm telling you, if you don't sit down, to study your Bible. Some of you went to church today because it is Sunday and you are supposed to go to church. Beautiful. Others too went to church because Yahu Christo and Ne. But in fact, if we study a whole lot of things around the birth of Jesus Christ, you will know that you have believed a whole lot of trash. The Bible never even said that the wise men that went to meet Jesus were three. But we stand in church and we say three wise men. Where? Where was it written that three wise men went to? Just because they presented three categories of gifts. You think only three people went there. Hey! May God help us. Somebody said, the man of God, all these things, they are not really important. Our salvation is the most important thing. By the time we are, we are ending this meeting, you will, you will know why you are saying that. Amen. That's why I told you that when somebody greets you, Afishiapa, there is nothing wrong with it because Afishiapa has nothing to do with Christmas. It means that the year has started from the beginning and it is now ending. Are you getting it? So it is actually speaking of the end of the year. Greetings. Not the birth of Jesus Christ. 
So the best greetings that you can actually greet and respond to in this season is Afishiapa. Not Merry Christmas. You can decide to take what we are saying. You can decide not to take it. That's your own matter. But we that know the truth. So Mr. Professor Cordier has preached about the wise men and said exactly what you are saying. Yes, the Bible said these were car- they had caravans. The Lord will help us and grant us divine grace. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Alright, so people of God, Afishiapo. I believe strongly that a year by this time, the Lord would have opened the floodgates of heaven. He would have poured upon us strange wealth that cannot be measured. He would have released upon us mighty graces that our presence at places will prove the presence of God. A year by this time, we would have built mighty things for God. We would have done a whole lot of things for God. A year by this time, the kingdom of God would have prospered to heights even through our hands. A year by this time, Whatever there is that God has prepared for your life will surely be made manifest. With your very eyes, you shall behold them in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. May the Lord bless us and grant us divine grace in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Great. So we started, I think the the American ascent is trying to activate itself. Maybe I have a short time to go to America. That's why um, things are changing like that. Hallelujah. All right. So it's coming small, small. Eh? Yeah, it's fine. Nice one, nice one. God bless you, Justin. It's coming small, small. That's how God works. Eh? Amen. All right. Beautiful. We started this new series of understanding the book of revelation understanding the book of revelation now i told you there are nine main nine major components of the whole book of revelation nine major components of the whole book of revelation so if you want to understand the whole book of revelation you have to it has been divided into nine major components The first one speaks of the introduction. Very, very important. God bless you, Justin. That's what um, my son Justin has posted here. Very, very important. 
because if you don't get the introduction you will not know what the whole book is about that is what a lot of people miss anytime they take a book in the bible to read that is the reason why um, i have a certain bible it is new international version the niv and that bible i love it so much because before you if you want to read the book of isaiah it has a short um, historical background and also um, a short preview of the whole book at the at the front page so you will know who wrote isaiah when it was written you and you know the components so once you are even about to study the whole book of isaiah you will get a certain preview and a certain um, understanding of what you are about to to study hallelujah so there is exactly the same thing that i was teaching the other time that there are nine major components of the book of revelation the first component is the introduction the introduction and um, i think we have we have dealt with the introduction part and um the next component the cover and then me shine over in a home Yes, ma. <laughs> Amen. Can you all hear me, please? Good. So the next part that we need to handle is the part of the seven churches. The seven churches. The seven churches it is the first vision that john the revelator had the first vision that john the revelator had the vision of the seven churches so in the book of revelation chapter one Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 downwards Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 downwards This is John the revelator speaking he said I was in the spirit on the Lord's day I was in the spirit on the Lord's day And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, let's handle something quickly. I was in the spirit on the lost day. I was in the spirit on the lost day. What does that statement mean? The gift of tongues. 
Lord came upon you. The Holy Ghost sent now, John, so when we read from the Amplified Version, he says, I, John, your brother and companion, share and participate with you in the tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance in Jesus Christ was on the island of Patmos on account on account of my witness to the word of God and the testimony for Jesus Christ verse 11 I was in the spirit wrapped in his power so what John was actually trying to say was that God took his spirit into the realms are you following God took his spirit into the realms of the spirit to show him things it is like the way maybe a prophet will be lifted into the realms of the spirit and start prophesying concerning what he is seeing in the spirit realm so John was carried into the spirit realm and he began to see certain things and he said I was in the spirit on the last day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying I am Alpha and Omega the first and the last and what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia unto Ephesus unto Smyrna unto Pegamos unto Theatira unto Sardis unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea now these are the seven churches that Jesus who is the Alpha and Omega so as John heard that voice he heard the voice like a trumpet behind him and the voice said I am Alpha and Omega the first and the last and whatever you are seeing John write it unto the seven churches which are in Asia whatever you are seeing write it unto the seven churches which are in Asia then Jesus who is the Alpha and Omega began to mention the, the seven churches that he was speaking of because take note as at that time now these churches that Jesus is making mention of were literal churches that were there as at that time are you following they were churches that were actually there as at that time are you following good but the thing is as at that time it was not only seven churches that were even in Asia Minor there were other churches there were other churches like the church of Colos the church of Hierapolis the church of Miletus the church of Troas plenty other churches that were in the same Asia Minor the question is why did Jesus write to tell John to write to only those seven churches why Is it that he doesn't have anything to tell the church of Colos? 
Now, when you read the book of Colossians, we are actually speaking of the church of Colos. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is in Colos. Are you getting it? So, Paul wrote letters or epistles unto some of these churches. Paul wrote a letter to the church of Jesus Christ in Colos, which is, that is the book we have in our Bible called Colossians. Even the Ephesus church, Paul still wrote a letter to them. That's why we have the book of Ephesians in our Bible. The Ephesians actually are the same Ephesus church. So you will realize that some of the things that Paul actually discovered in Ephesus, they are similar things that John also saw that Jesus spoke to him concerning the Ephesus church. Are you getting the point? Good. So take your time and follow us. Now the, the big question is, why is it that Jesus is only telling John to write the letter unto only the seven churches? What is happening to the rest? This is just Asia Minor. And aside that, there are other churches elsewhere. So why only those seven churches? This is because the number seven is actually a spiritual representation of what we call perfectness. The number seven. So when we read the whole book of Revelation, you will actually see seven, seven, seven. The seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven vials of wrath, a whole lot. Seven, seven, seven. Why? Seven also symbolizes qualitative fullness. That something has come to its fullness in pure quality. Are you following? Seven in the sight of God and in the spirit realm also stands for totality. Totality. So the seven churches actually are standing in for the whole body of Christ. These seven churches have different characteristics. And these characteristics were addressed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the whole body of Christ that we call the church can be divided into seven. Are you following? The whole body of Christ can be divided into seven churches. Now take note that the whole body of Christ is called the church. But there are seven divisions of the church. Now these seven divisions are what we, the Bible is speaking of as the seven churches. So all these things that we have, whether you are in the church of Pentecost, whether you are in the church of Christ, whether you are in Assemblies of God, whether you are in Methodist Church, whether you are in 
Dudunkania International Ministry, whether any church that you find yourself. That is just a denomination. But the characteristics of your church will determine the place that it fits in the seven churches. Are you, are you getting it? Good. So as we are here right now, we are one of these churches. And we need to actually understand the characteristics of these churches so that we will know where we fit. Hallelujah. Now, all these seven churches that Jesus is speaking to John to write to them, all these seven churches, it was only two of them that Jesus had no problem with. But the other five, they had serious issues. Now, take note. They are all part of the body of Christ. They are all called the church. But when Jesus came to his church, So Mr. Daddy, John said he was in the island called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Can it be that he was there to preach? No, he was actually in prison. If you have gone to get to know the history of Patmos, you will know that nobody was there for, for, for John to preach to. It was actually a detached area where they punish people, they put people there. And when you get into history, what John was actually speaking about was something he knew that would happen. And he's actually speaking of this revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he knew God took him there for that very purpose. So even though the people thought they were punishing him, it was an atmosphere for God to show him what he has planned even for the ages to come. good because that island is an island if you go into history you will know that it was not a place where human beings were staying even animals were not surviving so it was a place where they, when they want to kill you totally that's where they take you to because they know that once you get there you, you die on your own accord good so we need to take note of that great now all these seven churches when jesus was addressing the matter it was only two of the churches that jesus had no problem with the other five they had issues now we need to take note that this the whole church we all as christians 
are divided into seven main churches. And the characteristics of all the seven churches that we find in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, is actually being exhibited in the lives of many Christians and even the church as the whole mystical body of Christ. So as we understand these seven churches, you would actually know where you fit in. Hallelujah. And if you fit in a church that is having a problem or that Jesus has a problem with, then you too, you must, you must repent and move to the church that he has no problem with. And in fact, those two churches that Jesus had no problem with, he called them the glorious church. The glorious church. So there is the church and there is the glorious church. They are not the same. The glorious church is the church that have gone through all manner of purifications and have come to the place where they glorify God. The church that Jesus can boast himself with. But the others are still having issues. Hallelujah. Now put this at the back of your mind. That when we speak of the church, we are talking about the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know that right now as we are talking, the whole church has been betrothed unto Jesus. I hope you know that. When we say somebody has been betrothed unto somebody, in key, there is something we call a siwa. Can you all hear me, please? Beautiful. So, we need to take note that the church, as a body of Christ, God, in His infinite wisdom, is looking at the church as a bride that he is preparing for his son the lord jesus christ but this church who is a woman has divisions the divisions actually speak of the characteristics or the behavior that is in the church that must be corrected so it was among the seven churches only two churches were termed as the glorious church the church without two things known as spots and wrinkles when we read the book of Ephesians chapter 5 the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23 to 27 let's listen to what Paul said Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23 
to 27. Ephesians 5, 23 to 27. Can you all hear me, please? Good. So now, let's read something from the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 to 27. And let's hear what Paul has to say concerning the church. He said, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spots and wrinkle so when we say a glorious church a glorious church is a church without spot nor wrinkle now the question is what is a spot what is a wrinkle so if any spot or wrinkle is found in you as a church you are not a glorious church it must be removed before you can move to the place of the glorious church hallelujah so when we read through the book of revelation when jesus was speaking of the seven churches he was actually addressing the spots and rankings that he found in some of the churches and some of the churches to two of them he did not find any spot nor wrinkle in them so he commended them and those churches were known as the glorious church so you see jesus the church is a woman that jesus is going to take as a wife so we have been betrothed unto him and a day will come when jesus will marry the church hallelujah a day will come when jesus will marry the church so the Bible said in the book of Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 he said let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready let us rejoice and shout for joy let us give him glory and honor for the marriage of the Lamb has come at last, and his bride, the redeemed, has prepared herself. So you see, right now as we are here, we are in the stages of preparation. We are in the moment of purgatory, where God is purging us to become a glorious church. And the purging, God is removing two things. The first one is called a spot. And the second one is called a wrinkle. When the spots and wrinkles are taken out of the church, then the church would have become ready. And then 
the Lord Jesus, who is the Lamb, will come and marry us. And that is going to be the marriage ceremony of the Lamb. Are you following? Good. So take note. What we are dealing with is very, 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 very serious and highly spiritual. Because as I'm talking to you right now, so long as you are a Christian and you are part of the body of Christ, you are in one of the divisions. You are in one of the divisions. And take note, only two of the seven churches were termed as a glorious church because they were without spot and ranking. But majority, which is the five, had issues. Mm. Hallelujah. And I've already told us. Okay, this one I will say it again when I move forward. Amen. So, people of God, the question now is what are the characteristics that differentiate these churches into seven? Like the whole body of Christ is one, but now it has been divided. So, now as I'm talking to you, even though there are seven churches and they all sum up to be one body of Christ, but Jesus is not looking for the whole body, he's looking for the glorious one. Even though they are all betrothed unto him. So it's like, maybe my son Sammy is Jesus. And he has seen a woman that they call Sandra. And Sammy wants to marry Sandra. And Sammy went to tell his father. And his father came to Sandra's family and said, Okay, um, my son wants to marry your daughter. But as I'm looking at your daughter right now, um, she's very young. She has to grow to a certain point so that um, Sami and Sandra can now marry. So what we are going to do is that my son has a friend. He knows everything about my son. My son is going somewhere. So I will send his friend to your daughter, Sandra, so that my son's friend will teach Sandra everything about Sammy. So maybe Sandra will be doing things that my son Sammy doesn't like. It is my friend, my son's friend who will help Sandra to do away with all these things. So long as Sandra is having that behavior my son hates, it will be very difficult for my son to come and marry her. So please, let Sandra talk with my son's friend every day let them move together so that sandra will learn who sammy is and how sammy wants things to be done so now at this moment if sandra decides to live her own life without listening to sammy's friend who is with her she will still continue in her old ways even though she has been betrothed onto sammy I don't know if you are getting my point. So in the whole family, everybody knows that, okay, Sammy will come and marry Sandra. 
But what Sami is looking for is not the present state of Sandra. Because if it was the present state of Sandra that Sami is looking for, he wouldn't have left his friend to teach Sandra. There are certain things in Sandra that Sami doesn't like. So Sami said, let my friend be with you. My friend will help you do away with all these things so that when you become the pure bride that I need, my friend and you, Sami, and you, Sandra, will call me, Sami, to come and marry you. Are you getting it? So now, Sandra is the bride. And the friend of the bridegroom, who is Sami, is called the Holy Ghost. The assignment of the Holy Ghost in Sandra's life is to remove the spots and the wrinkles that are in Sandra. Can you all hear me, please? Can you all hear me? great so you see sami is christ jesus sami has a friend they call him the holy spirit sami has seen a bride that he wants to marry they call the bride the church but the church as at the time sami went to meet the church or sandra sandra was in the custody of sin and death Sandra was in the hands of an evil personality. So Sami went to redeem Sandra and said, I will marry you. But right now, you just came out of the hands of sin and death. And your whole life, you learned only sin. You learned how to live a life of sin. And where I am, you can't be there. You need to change your ways. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to my father. We are going to discuss about the marriage. But as I've redeemed you, I'm going to marry you. But I'm sending my friend to you. That my friend will help you know what I like, what I hate. So that when you listen to my friend, you will know me. And that friend is called the Holy Spirit. That is what the Bible said. Jesus said, I will send you a comforter another comforter the world does not know him but you you know him for he is with you and he shall be in you and when he comes he is called the spirit of truth 
when he comes he is called the spirit of truth because i jesus i am the truth i am the way the truth and the life and when he comes he would teach you into all the truth he will not say anything about himself everything that my friend the spirit would tell you is about me because his main assignment is to teach you me are you are you following So after the church has learned of the ways of Christ through the Holy Spirit and that the church has become a readily prepared bride for Jesus, what happens is in the book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. Samia, I'll come there. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 17, when the church becomes ready by the leadings of the Spirit, what will happen is that the Bible said, and the Spirit and the bride shall say, come. So the Holy Ghost, who is the friend of Jesus, after teaching the church for the church to be very pure, then the Holy Spirit and the church will have one voice. And they will say Maranatha to Jesus. So when Jesus is coming, he's coming for his prepared bride. The bride who is the glorious church without spots and wrinkles. Are you following? Good. So we need to take note. We need to take note of this. Can you all hear me, please? Beautiful. Good. Now, let's move forward. So, understanding the, the foundation of the seven churches is very, very, um, you know, critical to what God wants to let us know. Amen. So, it doesn't matter whether you are in Pentecost Church, Methodist, Church of God, Church of Christ, it doesn't matter the denomination that you find yourself in. We are all categorized into seven main churches based on the characteristics of those churches. So once you get to know that your denomination is having an expression of some of the characteristics of one particular church, note that you are part of that church spiritually. That is how your spiritual state is like. Then you will know whether it is an issue to the Lord Jesus in the negative way or it is something good that he commends. 
Hallelujah. Good. So now let's continue. Let's continue. So the Bible made mention. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Unto Ephesus, the first church. Can you all hear me, please? Can you all hear me? Great. The first church that Jesus spoke about and addressed her matter is the Ephesian church or the church of Ephesus. The Ephesian church or the church of Ephesus. He made mention of them Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Verse 12. The Bible said, and I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed in a garment down to the foot, and get about the paths with a golden girdle. Let's read from a version that you you easily understand he said then i tend to see who was talking to me and when i turned i saw seven gold lampstands seven gold lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands i saw someone like the sign of the son of man dressed in a robe reaching to his feet and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest mm. then he went further his head and his hair were white like wool in fact as white as snow his eyes were like flames of fire his feet were like glowing bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of raging waters. Are you are you reading something? Are you are you getting something now? Now, who is John speaking about here? The Lord Jesus Christ. But do you know that 
this dimension of Jesus is not what the disciples actually were with in, in the times of his ministry. Can't you see the, the clear difference? There is the reason why you should take note of what John said. He said, in the middle of the seven lampstands, he saw someone like the son of man. He didn't even say son of God. Son of man. So what John is trying to make mention of is the fact that the Jesus he saw was the Jesus that used to be, but in a glorified form. I don't know if you are catching something. The Son of Man. Are you following? So that was the glorified Jesus. The Bible spoke about his hair as white like wool. In fact, as white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like glowing bronze refined in a furnace. This was not the manifestation of how Jesus was when he was doing his earthly ministry. This type of Jesus John is making mention of. When you cut him with knife, blood will not come out. His feet were like bronze that was refined in fire. And his voice was like the sound of raging waters. When Jesus was doing his earthly ministry, he was speaking like normal men. But this time around, his voice is like the sound of raging waters. His eyes in the time of his earthly ministry were just the normal eyes of men. But this time around, it is like flames of fire. That speaks to you of the transformation and the transfiguration that has happened to that Jesus. This is the glorified Jesus. And when Jesus is in his glorified state, he wants to be with a glorious church or a glorified church. Are you, are you following? Good. That is the reason why he was handling some of these kids. And this time, when Jesus is in his glorified state, he is not looking for any spot or ranking. It is a serious dimension, a high realm, because the glorified state is a state of reward. You remember after Jesus had done his earthly ministry, the Bible said he was given a name above every other name. And God had exalted him high above his companions. That is a realm of reward. It is called glory. And even there is a name that God has given to him that nobody knows. Nobody knows that name except those that will be with him. And those people are known as the overcomers. We all know that, that he's the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is another name that is beyond the Lord Jesus Christ. That nobody knows except the overcomers that will be with him. And the overcomers in that category are known as the glorious church. 
So this dimension of glory, glory, glory is actually speaking of the reward systems of God. So even the church that you are in right now, in the seven churches, based on your denomination, can even affect your judgment as a church, as a child of God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you are you getting it? Good. Follow carefully. Good. Now the Bible said, in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. We all know that is clearly the word of God. His face was like the sun when it shines with full force. That is a higher dimension of Jesus the Bible is talking about here. The glorified Lord Jesus Christ. His face. This is not the Jesus that some of the people were just beating and piercing. This one is the glorified Jesus. That is why when he is coming down, he will come in his glory. And that glory speaks of his reward that he is giving unto his people. It is a judgment system. Are you listening to me? Good. Now take note. The Bible said, John said in verse 17, When I saw him, I fell down at his feet like a dead man. Why? Yesterday I made mention of this. I don't know whether it was yesterday. When I was talking about when angels appear in their full glory. When they appear in their full glory, your physical body will look like an empty thing. Even this thing, John was in the spirit. So his spirit was actually having conversation with the Lord Jesus. Even his spirit but fell down <laughs> how much i don't know what happened to his body everything that john is speaking of is actually what he's experiencing in the spirit realm are you following jesus appeared in that same kind of glorious light to paul on the on the road to damascus and the guy became blind a vision that one man was seeing the Bible said the people that were with him on their horses fell because they heard a loud noise physically. And Paul, that saw Jesus, he became blind. Can you all hear me, please?
good. So when Paul saw the glorified Jesus, Jesus in his glory, he became blind. John said when he saw his face, it was like the sun that was shining in its full force. And he said, when I saw him, I fell down at his feet like a dead man. But he placed his right hand on me and said, Stop being afraid. I am the first and the last. Ah. Is it not the same right hand that was holding the seven stars? <laughs> Are you following? Is it not the same right hand that was holding the seven stars? Now, John is telling us that when he saw Jesus and fell, Jesus touched him with his right hand. So where did the seven stars move to? Unless there is a different or clear understanding about something that is happening here. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the moment he touched John with his right hand, which was holding the, the seven stars, something happened. Now, we have to actually know what the seven stars stand for. Then we can know the meaning of that right hand with the seven stars touching John, the revelator. Are you following Because definitely it could mean that if the right hand is holding the seven stars and he touched John with the right hand holding the seven stars, then there is something that John has to do with the seven stars. Are, are you getting it? Good. So now let's understand what is happening here. He said, but he placed his right hand on me and said, Stop being afraid. I am the first and the last. The living one. I was dead. But look, I am alive forever and ever. I have the keys of death and Hades. That word Hades is the word hell. I have the keys of death and hell. Verse 19. Therefore, write down what you have seen. What is and what is going to happen after this. He said, now, listen to verse 20. He said, the secret meaning of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lamb stands is this. The seven stars are the messengers of the seven churches. And the seven lamb stands are the seven churches. Are you following? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches or messengers and the seven lampstands that you saw are the seven churches now take note that these churches were literal churches that were actually there in the time past and the angels that the bible made mention of
Are you following? Good. Now, understand that these seven churches were actual literal churches that were there in the times of old in Asia Minor. And the angels of the churches that the Bible is making mention of are the messengers, or let me say the pastors, the leaders of those churches. They were supposed to be the ones that will carry the message from the Lord Jesus Christ to the people. Are you getting it? So if there is any message from the Lord Jesus, it should go straight should go straight to these messengers before the people will hear of it. So the first people that John was writing the letter to was the messengers or the angels of each church and the church as a whole. Are you following? Beautiful. So now follow. So now Jesus said that the seven stars that were in his hands are the seven angels or the angels of the churches or the messengers, the leaders of the churches. And the seven lampstands that John saw are actually the seven churches. So the church of God as a whole is manifested in the form of the seven lampstands. So those of you, maybe you have, if you have seen me before, and uh, maybe some of my pictures, you see that there is a certain necklace around my neck. In that necklace, you see the locker to be the menorah. The menorah is actually the symbol of the seven churches. It is known as the seven lampstands. Are you following? Now, the purpose of the menorah is to carry light. They are light bearers. To bear light and shine. No wonder when Jesus came to the earth, he said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. He is actually speaking of the church. So he said, No man lights up a candle and put it under the bed, but he put it on a lampstand so that it will shine for all those that are in the room. Are you following? And I love the key version. Beautiful. Are you following? Someone said, well, please, does it also stand for the seven spirit of God? That's, it is not like that is the seven spirit of God. No. 
but it has manifestations. Are you following? We'll explain that into details. Are you following? Beautiful. So now we all understand we have all understood that the seven stars that were in the right hand of Jesus are the leaders of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are actually the seven churches that Jesus is speaking of. Good. Now let's move to so now by the special grace of God, we have all understood the book of Revelation, chapter one. So we are done with the book of Revelation chapter 1. Are you, are you getting it? Alright. So take note. We are moving to chapter 2. Now Jesus is still speaking. And he's showing John something. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. He said, this is the letter to the church in Ephesus. He said, to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands, says this, that is Jesus. Verse 2, I know what you have been doing, your toil and your endurance. I also know that you cannot tolerate evil people. Now you see, this is the characteristics of the efficient church that Jesus is making mention of. So you realize that when he started with the efficient church, he is actually commending them. Are you following Said, I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives of Christ and in fact are not and have found them to be liars and imposters. Can you all hear me, please? Good. Now, take note of what Jesus is saying about the efficient church because it is one of the seven churches. You might find yourself in a spiritual state exactly like the state of the efficient church. And if you find yourself like that, we need to also note whether Jesus had a problem with them or not. 
once you look at the characteristics and you know that it is being exhibited in yourself and even in your church or your denomination then you need to take note of what Jesus is telling you to do now listen he said I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance so Jesus is actually saying that the efficient church has patience and also they cannot tolerate those who are evil they have also tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles and are not and they have also found them to be liars and imposters are you following good and he said And I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and that you have not grown weary. But I have this charge against you. Hey, so you see, after Jesus saw the good things that was in the efficient church and he commended them for that, he saw a spot or a wrinkle in them are you following the moment there is a spot or wrinkle in you it means you are not the glorious church and you need to grow into that glorious church so he said but i have this charge against you that you have left your first love So remember the height from which you have fallen and repent. <clears throat> Jesus is telling the Ephesian church that they have lost their first love. They have lost the depth of love that they had for him. So, so remember the height from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will. And do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand. The church, its impact from its place, unless you repent. Hmm. Hmm. He said, however I have this against you, you have abandoned the love you had at first. Therefore, remember how far you have fallen. Repent and go back to what you were doing at first. If you don't, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So the problem with the Ephesian church was that there was no love. No love. Hmm. Now let's read to the end and listen to what Jesus said. He said, But this is your credit. You hate the actions of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Who are the Nicolaitans? And what are their actions or deeds? When Jesus says he hates something, then that thing must be a serious thing. Are you following?
He said, as for this thing, dear, efficient church, I'm giving you this credit. You hate the works and corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans, which I, Jesus, I also hate. Because I hate and you hate, you are in line with me on that side. But you are a church without love. You have left your first love. And that is what I have against you. If you don't repent and do your first works, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. Hey, That's a serious judgment that Jesus is giving. Now, after saying that, he said, but this is your credit. You hate the actions of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let everyone listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To everyone who conquers. The King James will say, To him that overcometh, I will give to it of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now let me explain these two things. The two main problems that Jesus finds with his church. The first one is called a spot. The second one is called a ranking. Now, when we say spot, we are actually speaking of a certain life. The, the life of the works of the flesh. Some kind of sinful manifestations. Are you following these are spots in the body of Christ. Then we have what we call rainkill. Now, under normal circumstance, anytime you see rainkills on somebody's face, it means that life is leaving the person. Life is moving out of the person gradually. So when a person hits an old age it is possible it is so easy to see wrinkles on the person's face so wrinkles actually speaks of the depreciation of life now if the church is the bride of the lord jesus christ and it is losing life what life is that paul made mention of the holy ghost as the spirit of life so the holy spirit actually is the life of the church if the, the way i said that sandra and sami sami's friend is supposed to teach sandra everything that sami wants if sandra decides that she will not listen to sami she will not, sandra will not have life and definitely she will have wrinkles because Sami's friend is the source of life that Sandra needs. Are you following? So whenever the church lacks the life of the spirit, what is found in the church is called a rainkill. The rainkill is actually the depreciation of life. No wonder Jesus told the efficient church that he is going to give the overcomers the fruit of the tree of life that means that that church is without life they are actually growing to a point of death because they don't listen 
and they don't align with the spirit are you following even though there are some other credits that jesus gave to them but because they are without love because we all know that love is the source of life i've already explained this before when i spoke about the three l's of god love life and light how many of us remember that good so the efficient check the the only charge or problem that jesus had with them was that they don't have love and that love is actually the life that they are supposed to receive from the spirit because romans chapter 5 verse 5 says that the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts through the spirit that dwelleth in us and that spirit is called the spirit of life in the book of revelation in the book of romans chapter 8 i think verse 2 are you getting the spirit of life good so now if the efficient church lacks life the bible said jesus says something he said he's giving them a certain credit because they hate the works of the nicolaitans and the other version says the teachings the corrupt teachings of the nicolaitans and those doctrines teachings works jesus said i also hate because i hate and you hate i'm giving you that credit but still you are a church without love so repent else i will come and take away your lampstand now who are the nicolaitans first we need to understand who the nicolaitans are in the book of acts chapter 6 Acts chapter 6, verse 5. Acts chapter 6, verse 5. Good. He said, This suggestion pleased the whole congregation, and they selected Stephen, a man full of faith in Christ Jesus and filled and led by the holy spirit and philip prochorus nicanor timon parmenas and nicholas a proselyte or gentile convert from antioch a proselyte now the nicolaitans are actually the group of people that were swept by the doctrines and the teachings of a certain man that they call nicholas now nicholas according to the scripture was a proselyte when we say a proselyte the proselyte actually means that somebody who has now converted from a gentile religion 
to a new religion. So Nicholas, who was from Antioch, had converted from a certain Gentile religion now to Christianity. Are you following? Now, according to history, when this man by name Nicholas converted to Christianity, he began to chip in his religious teachings from his previous religion into the teachings of Christ. And many people believed. Are you following? Good. Now, many people believed in the doctrines, the corrupt teachings of Nicholas. And all those people that believed in his teachings were known as the Nicolaitans. Now, if their teachings were something that Jesus really hated, then what at all was the teachings of the Nicolaitans? What kind of religion did Nicholas convert from into Christianity? Once we get to know that kind of religion, we will now understand we will now understand the kind of teachings that Nicholas was feeding the people with. Are you following? Good. Now, the first thing we need to take note concerning Nicholas is that the Bible said, apart from him being somebody who has now converted from a certain pagan religion to Christianity. The Bible said he was from Antioch. Antioch, according to the, the historical background, was the capital city of Syria. The capital city of Syria. Are you following? Good. Now, this city, during the time when Nicholas converted, during the time of the Acts of the Apostles, the Roman Empire were ruling over the whole world now the roman empire actually had two main dimensions of the assignments the first one was a political assignment and the second one was a religious assignment because they knew that two main ways to control the masses is through politics and religion. Are you following? So, in as much as they were into politics and they were ruling, they also started a religion on their own. Now, if you go back into this to know how the Roman Empire started, 
you will understand that according to history a certain woman gave birth to two children and the children were Remus and Romulus Remus and Romulus these children the moment their mother delivered them the mother died and the woman actually gave birth to the children in a certain forest so the moment the woman died the children could not get anything to eat but it was within that same period that a certain wolf wolf when we say wolf in pew call it rem kramai wolf was moving in that forest and saw the two children lying under a certain tree crying so that wolf began to feed the children with her breast milk <laughs> now these two children grew from the breast milk of the wolf and they became mighty giants they are the foundations of the roman empire they started the roman empire now when we go into the bible to understand who a wolf is one of the things about wolves is that they come with sheep skin the main meal of a wolf is a sheep are you following they come with the skin of sheep among the sheep so that they can eat them and tear them apart are you following so now jesus said we should beware as often said that the as rumor has that as their football logo wow what was the logo you see that things are becoming clear now wolf feeding two children ah look at that i don't even know about that one that is the origin of the look at the name as roma clearly from the roman empire see so now the question is who was that wolf the wolf is the one that makes herself like the sheep and when we speak of the sheep we can drag this into the lamb who is christ are you following so the wolf actually is like the one that is making himself like christ the one that is trying to mimic christ and that one is clearly an anti-christ 
the one that you will say antichrist I see. Yes, Roma. Yes, Roma. You see that things are becoming clear. And near man when you see this, there are deep meanings of these things. If you don't know history, you will think that these are not there. That is why you need to go back to history to learn a lot of things. Else, you 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 were just born 28 years ago. You don't know anything. That 28 years ago. When we are talking about church matters, one also ding, 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 ding. you don't know anything about history, and you don't know what some of these things even stand for. <laughs> you see, so once we get to know who the wolf is. Now we have understood that the wolf is the one that is trying to mimic Christ, trying to make himself like Christ. So definitely, if he is feeding these two children, and these two children became the foundation of the Roman Empire, then we actually know what the Roman Empire stands for. Are you following? They are actually standing for the Antichrist, one that is standing in trying to make himself like Christ. Now, take note, this thing actually did not start with the Roman Empire. All these things started in the book of Genesis chapter 11. When men decided to build a tower, who stopped my bridge to the heavens? Now, the Bible said they wanted to build the tower so that they get a name for themselves. Now, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, the Bible says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So there is a link between towers and names. Are you following? Now, when we get to know the name of the Lord, I've, I've taught on this before. That is the name that God actually gave to Jesus as Lord. So, building a tower in the sight of the people of old in Genesis 11 was actually a very highly spiritual work that they were doing. What were they trying to do? They were trying to mimic the name of the Lord. Now, according to history, I told you that the Tower of Babel actually had 72 pillars. 72 main pillars now i've also told you that when you go into hebrew to know the name of the lord which is yod he vav he in the alphabet 
there is what we call Gini, G-E-N-I. It is something like permutation and combination. When you begin to mingle the, the alphabet of the name of the Lord together, you are going to get 72 different forms. So how come the name of the Lord is a strong tower? And the people were building a tower to get a name. And the name of the Lord, when you divide it into Gina, you are going to get 72 forms. And that tower too that the people were building had 72 pillars. What were they trying to do? Now, even when God came down to confound their language, from that moment, the tower was known as the Tower of Babel. Babel means confusion. So God confused them so that they would not be able to build that thing. Because it was a mimicking of the true Christ. Are you following? As if that was not all. After God confounded their language and God took away the man who led all the people in building this by name Nimrod, the man died. The moment the man died, it was actually the very day he married his wife Semiramis. The very day the man died, the man married, he died. After a few months, they found the wife of Nimrod pregnant. And when they questioned her, he sa- she said, the spirit of her husband came to overshadow her and to fill her. The woman was virgin. She has never slept with any man before. And when the woman delivered the baby, in fact, I told you that according to history, when the woman was pregnant, when Semiramis, the wife of Nimrod, the man who led all the men of the world to build the tower, when Semiramis was pregnant on her baby bump, which is her big stomach, there was the, the sign of the cross. And that was the sign of the baby that was in her womb. And when she gave birth, the baby was called Tammuz. And Tammuz, the moment she came, he came forth, he said he's the savior of the world. Look at, just look at the, 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 the birthing story of Tammuz. It is exactly like the way Jesus was born. Is that not so? A virgin was overshadowed by the spirit and she gave birth to a son, and the son is the savior of the world. The same thing. So the first people that actually manifested this Christ-like thing was Nimrod. Now, from that moment, this thing has been running through ages, from age to age, from age to age. This is the same thing that kept running, running, running. So we got the Roman Empire. All the kingdoms that came before the Roman Empire had gods manifesting exactly in the way of Christ. Even Krishna, Buddha, Mithras, and the rest, Zeus. So when you look at the, there are seven main kingdoms that have come to rule on this earth. Starting with Assyria. And Assyria was the kingdom that Nimrod was part of. 
from Assyria, we move to the Egyptian Empire. From the Egyptian Empire, we move to the Babylonian Empire, which Nebuchadnezzar was their king. From the Babylonian Empire, we move to the Empire of Medopesia. And from Medopesia, we move to the Empire of the Greece or the, the Grecian Empire, Greeks. Then from there, we move to Rome. Then from Rome, Rome was so strong that no other kingdom was able to overthrow it. So it divided itself into 10 provinces. That was called the refined or the revised Roman Empire. So that was the next kingdom. That empire was so strong. So until Jesus Christ came to overthrow them. So during the reign of the Roman Empire in the whole world, Jesus was born to set up his kingdom on the earth. And that was the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had when he saw a statue that was divided into five different portions. And whilst he was looking at the statue, a certain stone that was not cast by human hands came to hit on that statue and it divided and it was even grounded into powder and the wind blew it. And the Bible said that stone that came to crash the statue entered into the earth and kept growing and it became mighty and filled the whole earth. And that stone is the kingdom of God. Are you, are you getting things clear now? Now, all these kingdoms that came before the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, they were all mimicking Christ in a way. So all these kingdoms, they had what we call the Immaculate Conception. A virgin, God conceived and she gave birth to someone who said he's a savior. All these kingdoms. And some of you have watched movies of um, the Greek gods, the Zeus and all those kind of, that is the Grecian Empire. The Babylonians also had their own. Are you following? Good. Now we are still on the Ephesian church. We are talking about the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans, Nicholas is from Antioch. And we are talking about Antioch. It was one of the cities that the Roman Empire had a great rule over. And we have explained how the Roman Empire came forth. How two children who started the Roman Empire were fed by a wolf. And that wolf is standing in for the one mimicking himself like the sheep. That is the Lamb of God, Christ. So all these kingdoms are actually manifesting the antichristic things. Are you, are you following? Beautiful. So now, if we have now found out where the kind of religion that Nicholas originated from, because we got to know that Nicholas is a proselyte, and a proselyte means someone who has just converted from a pagan religion into Christianity. And the man started chipping in his pagan teachings 
into the Christian doctrines. And the Bible said, as for that teachings there, the Ephesian church hated that because, and because they hated that, Jesus gave them credit because Jesus also hates those teachings. So what are the teachings of the Nicolaitans? What are the teachings of the Nicolaitans? Now, knowing very well where Nicholas came from, you would know their teachings. Nicholas actually came from Antioch. And Antioch was one of the, the, the provinces that the Roman Empire had in rulership. So definitely, the religion that the Roman Empire set up will be the religion that Nicholas will convert from is that not so? Can you all hear me? Good. Now let me hit this point clearly. Hmm. How many of us have heard of Saint Nicholas before? Saint Nicholas. When you heard of Saint Nicholas, what did they say? In fact, what is the popular name of Saint Nicholas that everybody knows? Santa Claus. It's just so clear. And he's also known as Father Christmas. So definitely you will know the teachings, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. What were they teaching? They were teaching about the birth of Jesus on 25th of December. Jesus said, I hate that. This is why I'm telling you that if the church you fellowship with, you are celebrating Christmas every time, you are actually part of the efficient. The, thanks be to God that the efficient church hated those things. So we know those who, who actually embraced the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Hmm. Once you know the church that has embraced the teachings of the Nicolaitans, you will know that you are part of that church. Jesus said, I hate those things. If you know what it means to say Jesus was born on the 25th of December. Now, understand that even Nicholas converted from a pagan religion and he brought in that 25th December is the birthday of Jesus and the people believed. That means that date he brought to the people is actually not so. It came from a pagan source. Is that not so? So there is nothing Christian about Christmas. I'm telling you, nothing Christian about Christmas. You say these people will never believe because they don't want to sit down to study. They came to meet it and they are doing it. When you talk about it, they say, the man of God, even, our, even most of the great men of God have even, right now you see plenty of people with 
their pictures in the right seasonal greetings. <laughs> we understood clearly the other time. We got to know the time Jesus was conceived and the time he was born. It has nothing to do with 25th December. I told you clearly, 25th December is the birthing of the sun gods. Because in the Wiccan calendar, which speaks of the occultic calendar, they believe, they know that 25th December is the birth, the rebirth of the sun. And all the sun gods who have their birthdays on 25th December came to this physical world through immaculate conception. First one, Tammuz. Tammuz. Let's read something from Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 14. I want us to read it from the Amplified Version. Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 14. Some of you don't even know that Santa Claus is called Saint Nicholas. Hmm. May God have mercy on us. The Bible said, Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the Lord's house. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. If you have seen what has happened in the early church, you will cry. And they have packaged the thing nicely for us in a way that we cannot even take note of. Can I I show you something? Let's continue from verse 15 to 16. let's, let's, Let's pick something here. Ezekiel the prophet was lifted into the temple of God. And he said when he was lifted into the temple, God brought him to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. We come to what, what north stands for. Amen. And he said, Behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Women were sitting at the Lord's gate towards the north, and they were weeping for Tammuz. So who is that Tammuz that they were weeping for? Let's read from the... Let's get to verse 15. It said, Then said he unto me verse 15 i want i want i want it from the amplified version 15 and 16 beautiful he said he said to me do you see this son of man yet you will not still yes you you will see still greater repulsive acts than these other verses abominations like this that they are committing 
verse 16. So he brought me to the inner court of the Lord. I hope you know the inner court. The inner house where the seven lampstands are. I hope you, you all know that the inner court or also the holy place. That is where the seven lampstand is. I hope you know that. Good. And the seven lampstand stand for what? I want to check if you are all following. What does the seven lampstand stand for? In its entirety. The seven lampstands stand for the church. Amazing. Amazing. So you see, the Holy Ghost brought Ezekiel into the inner court where the church actually is found. And he said, Behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were bowing down toward the east and worshipping the sun. What? The people were in the holy place. And while they were in the holy place, where the church is found, the Bible said they had turned their backs. So they were in the church, but they had turned their backs at the very presence of God. And they were facing the east. And you know that the sun rises from the east. And while they were facing the east, they had bowed down, worshipping the sun. Now, did you see clearly what the Bible made mention of here? How many men were they? You will now understand what 20 feet actually means to the sun. 25 men. Worshipping the sun. Why? How? What is twenty? What is the link between 25 and the sun? Every 25th December actually speaks of the rising of the sun from its death, which speaks of the birthing of sun gods. And one of the sun gods is Tammuz, the one the women were weeping for. So whenever you say Jesus was born on 25th December, so you are going to church to worship him, you are actually going to pay homage to a son God. Not Jesus. Even though you are in church, as the people were in church. Hey! They were in the temple, but still they were worshipping the son. Possible? How can you be in church and still give sacrifices to a sun god? How? Hmm? Is it possible like that? Hmm.
May God have mercy. May God have mercy. The Bible said in the book of 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 41. Listen to that. 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 41. 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 41. Oh my God, have mercy. I want somebody to give me either um, amplified nice one. Listen to what the amplified is saying. He said, so these nations feared the Lord. Which Lord are they speaking about? Is it not the Lord God of the Israelites? So these nations feared the Lord. They also served their idols. As their children, as did their children and their children's children, just as their fathers did, so do they to this day. <laughs> you see, they feared the Lord, but they still continued with serving of their gods. They feared the Lord. They continued with the serving of idols. And their children and their children's children also followed because just as their fathers did, that is what they are also doing. And that's what many of us are doing with Christmas. We came to meet it. Our fathers were doing it. So we are doing it. The easy English says, even while they were worshipping the Lord, they were also the servants of their idols, Jesus Christ. They were worshipping the Lord, and they were also the servants of their idols. Until today, their children and their grandchildren do what their fathers did. This is so simple. We are worshipping God, but still, You remember when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well? He says something. He says something to the woman. You worship a God you do not know. How many of us remember that? This is what most of us are doing. Someone said, Papa, my biological father told us this thing, but we didn't believe him. I now believe what my father told us. You see, many people know, many pastors are very aware that Jesus was not born on 25th December. They know very well, but still, they will not change it. They will celebrate. Why? Because Akoko will come. Thank you.
Some of them be like, oh, we know that Jesus was not born on the 25th of December, but we are just commemorating his birth and you know. What? Do you know what you are doing? You see, let me let me tell you, when you go into the Wiccan celebrations and they look at Christians celebrating the birth of Jesus on 25th December, they laugh at us. I see ignoramus people. <laughs> they don't know anything. They laugh at us. Someone said he has stopped giving your father has stopped giving you money for Christmas. And you don't need money for Christmas. What? <laughs> you need money for many things not to worship a certain God that is not the God you are serving so when you go to your father for money go, go to him for money don't say Christmas money and you will never get it so people of God Today we are just going to end here with the church of Ephesus. And then we have understood that the problem with the church was that they, they lacked love. And one thing that they hated, that Jesus also hated, was the fact that they hated the works, the corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans, which we all know that Nicholas actually is Saint Nicholas, who we all know through the changes of his name from one point to the other as Santa Claus. Nicholas was a bishop. <laughs> so you could see the great harm he did to the body of Christ. A bishop teaching the people. He got a whole lot of followers who were known as the Nicolaitans. Jesus said, I hate. You could, see now, you could now see the reason why Jesus hated that because it is actually the Antichrist worship. Are you following? May the Lord help us. And in fact, the name Ephesus means permitted or loose. Permitted or loose permitted or loose understand that the church is a woman a bride that jesus wants to marry so when we say a woman is loose that's a very dangerous thing are you following anytime a woman loses her first love she has become a loose woman or a permitted woman she permits anything so when we look at the Ephesian church she was permitting a lot of things the only thing that she stood against that Jesus also hated was the corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans hallelujah all right people of God may the Lord bless us let me take some few questions before we close so God willing um, tomorrow we are going to have mega one word from the Lord. So Tuesday we are going to have the part two of the seven churches. We we'll go to Smyrna and we we'll go to the rest. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen.
Fire pray. Wow. Mommy, I pray for your son. May the covering of the Lord be upon him in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I declare that God will cause him to see the light that he has purposed for his destiny. Anything that is not of God, that is tormenting the child, I sack that thing from your child's life in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. He is free and made whole in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Alright, any question? Looks like many people have become very quiet. See, in Makoto, Christmas, my dear, if Christmas power is about Jesus Christ, why do they always talk about Santa Claus and not Jesus Christ? And the thing here is that even unbelievers celebrate Christmas. Can't you see that? Go to US and see. People who are not Christian who don't want to even hear Christ at all. They are celebrating Christmas. What? What? So what is that? And you think it is a Christian thing. It is the best. You don't know what you are doing. <laughs> Somebody said joint service. They have joined all of us. In a tour boom. Futu from. As I'm talking to you right now, we'll be them, especially those in the US, because the, the original name of Bishop Nicholas that the Germans gave to him was Sinterklaas. Center, S I N T E R K L A E S. Sinterklaas. That was the actual name that was given to him in Germany but he was sacked from the church in Germany, he was a bishop he was sacked from the church in Germany and he moved to the US and when he moved to the US they embraced him and they, they made his name Santa Claus so the church in US Somebody said, Daddy, I saw a video of a Muslim in Santa Claus dress praying. <laughs> Look at that. They are all the same. Because this, what I'm talking about is highly occultical. Many of you don't know. And I've said this thing here and I will say it again and again. Can I say it again? <laughs> Anybody who joins hands with the devil, whether in witchcraft, whether in fetishism, whether in occultism, any way you join yourself to the devil, they will give you an Islamic name. Any way you join the kingdom of darkness, they will give you an Islamic name. The question is why? Because Islam is the clear manifestation of Antichrist. But when Antichrist wanted to enter into the church, he did not enter as Islam. He entered in different forms. He used the Roman Empire to bring in a whole lot of things. Yes. That is why when you hear the word Catholic, Holy Catholic Church, the word Catholic means universal. So the universal church. 
But the universal church that was in Roman became the Roman Catholic Church. And they started infiltrating the church with the Islamic, the, the kind of occultic evil things. So if you know, there is a clear link between Islam and the Roman, Roman Empire, or let me say the Roman Catholic Church. I wish I could go into details. It is in history. There is a link between Islam and the Roman Catholic Church. No wonder if you are a Roman Catholic and you leave the church, your parents can even disown you. It is the same thing in Islam. In fact, when you go into history, that whose wife, um, who, what was the name of Muhammad's wife? Is it, is it Khadija? Beautiful. Khadija had a certain cousin. I've forgotten the name, but it starts with W. Khadija had a cousin who was a Roman sister. See, there is a link. If you don't know, you don't. These things are just clear in, in our sight. Let me check if I can get you the name. Waraka. Beautiful. Beautiful. I hope you have seen that. Some of you went to Google and you have seen it. It's so clear. Yes, that's the name. That's the name. Waraka. She was a Roman sister. <laughs> hey! God bless you, man of God, the Jordan spirit. God bless you, um, Prophet Sami. The Lord increase you, sir. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Oh, man of God, Apostle Francis. God bless you. Wow. We have battalions here this evening. The place is loaded with grace. God bless you, sir. May the Lord increase you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm blessed to have my, my brothers with me here. This is pure love. God bless you, sir. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, people of God. So, this is where time will permit us to end this evening's meeting. Hallelujah. And I believe we have been so blessed. If you, if those of you who are witches, mm, you know that you have an Islamic name. You know. <laughs> if okay, if you are not, and you know somebody who is a, <laughs> you know somebody who is a witch, you go and ask the person. Just ask, what is your Islamic name? They will tell you. Every witch, every occultic person, every fetish priest, 
has an Islamic name because Islam is the the compendium of all antichristic manifestations. Yes. It will shock you. You see, all these Krishna, uh, Buddha, all those people, you, you will see, they all link up as one in Islam. You will never know. That's why you find it very difficult to see an Islamic man fighting a Buddhist. An Islam fighting a Hare Krishnist. An Islam fighting. You will never see those kind of things. But they will all fight against Christians. Hallelujah. Alright, may the Lord help us and grant us grace in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Amen. I have a message on the podcast Islam and the Antichrist. You can go and download that message. It will be a great blessing to you. Alright, so today is just the um, first point of understanding the seven churches. God willing, on Tuesday we are going to continue. Um, God willing, tomorrow evening is mega one word from the Lord. Mega one word from the Lord. Don't miss this experience. Invite your friends and loved ones and tell them that they should not forget the three coins that they are supposed to bring. God is going to release something on them. Every one of us here, something amazing will come upon us for the next phase of our lives in the year 2023. I'm telling you, in the year 2023, if you are somebody listening to me, you're a young guy, you're a young lady, do away with sexual immorality and also do away with alcoholism. You will walk in strange worlds you have never seen before. Are you listening to me? I said this earlier on and I'm saying it again. The year is rich, I'm telling you, and it is rich unto those who have decided to walk in purity. I'm telling you, the year is so blessed. In fact, when you look at the year 2023, when she appears, her hair is gold. Yes, her hair is gold. Everything about 2023 is gold. And I'll explain this deeper, maybe before 31st. So when we are having maybe emergency meetings or any other meeting, make sure you join us. That will prepare ourselves into that year. I'm giving you secrets. Make sure you walk in purity. If you have three girlfriends, drop all of them. If you have four boyfriends, sack all of them. You can't enter into that new year with all those bedding some loads. Amen. Uh, so get ready this year God gave unto us chariotic speed and there are many things that, have, that we have seen with great speed things that should have taken you know more years came very fast but next year is another glorious year and on the 1st of January we are going to declare 
the very rima for the year 2023 everything is set so get ready the lord bless you and keep all of you strong in the mighty name of the lord jesus i'm going to upload the message right after here so if you want to revisit the message and um, steady you can do so the lord bless all of us and keep all of us strong in jesus precious mighty name i pray that the covering of the lord will be upon you in these last days even for the end of the year i decree and declare your life remains untouchable in the mighty name of the lord jesus any evil arrow that will be shot against you and your family i command them to backfire in jesus mighty name may the lord keep you and cause you to be strengthened in the name of the lord jesus join us this night at exactly 12 a.m gmt as we fire prayer it's a moment of priesthood time so join us the lord bless us all and increase us in jesus precious mighty name we shall meet god willing this night at exactly 12 a.m gmt for priesthood time shalom bye bye I'm a-